You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Which value system have we allowed to shape us more? Are we capitalists first or are we Jesus followers first? Have we allowed the values and ethics of the Jesus story that we hold so dear to shape the kinds of people that we are becoming? Or have we allowed the value system of capitalism to shape how we see the world? Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery and this is episode 436. Our title this week is Jesus and Another Story of Debt Cancellation, and our reading is from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke 16, 1 through 13. Then Jesus said to the disciples, there, there was a rich man who had a manager, and, he char- and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people will welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered a hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, how much do you owe? He replied, a hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. And his master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of dishonest wealth so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is dishonest in very little is dishonest also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with true riches? And if you have not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Wealth. So this week's reading it it puts serving God and serving wealth in tension with each other. Serving God is a, a phrase that I think should be read in the context of the reign of the kingdom of God. When we understand the gospel phrase, the kingdom of God, as God's just future here on earth, a new iteration or a different iteration of our present world where there is economic, social, and and political justice, in that kingdom, resources and power are distributed with equity, and everyone has what they need, not just to survive, but also to, to thrive. It's a world where 
the rain falls and the sun shines on all. In this context, um, we can begin to understand why intrinsically you cannot serve uh, both uh, this vision for human community and serve the interests of wealth at the same time. This is difficult, I know, for us in our capitalistic culture to grasp, but, but Jesus's economic teachings in the Gospels assume that there's enough for everyone to thrive uh, already in our world to, to thrive abundantly because our Heavenly Parent provides for us. Wealth is created when someone begins storing up more than they need, which creates a deficit for uh, somewhere for someone uh, else. And, and, and there's a slightly different lesson in the manna story in the Exodus tradition for those who tried to store up or hoard more than they needed instead of sharing with others who had gathered less, the manna bred worms and became foul. And by, by the next day, in, in this example, uh, you simply could not amass a wealth of, of manna. And, and it, was, it was virtually Im- impossible. So this, along with the the debt forgiveness of the Torah, is an economic Jewish tradition that Jesus was standing firmly within, uh, inside of his own culture. For the oppressed community of the Gospels, for for whom Jesus' teaching held the deepest meaning, it was clear that no one could serve both wealth and, and people, because one would have to choose between individual opulence and at the other end of the spectrum, community thriving. And remember, certain indigenous traditions, they also speak of this contrast between individual opulence and, and community thriving in their ancient wisdom. And I want to recommend the book Spirit and Resistance, Political Theology and American Indian Liberation by George E. Tinker. Someone somewhere has to suffer loss for wealth to be created. But Jesus taught that someone somewhere was an object of divine universal love for whom the sun was also shining and the rain also falling. You can find that in Matthew 5, 45. And as the saying goes, each day there's enough for every person's needs, but not every person's greeds. Wealth means having more than what one needs while others do not. In Jesus's worldview, however, it's not about everyone having the same quantity. It's about everyone having the same quality. Some people don't need as much to thrive, and others, they need more for, for various and sundry reasons. But, but in a just world vision uh, with, with God as the great just householder. Uh, no one has too much while others don't have enough. And, d- and let's talk about this dishonest wealth here that's mentioned in this week's reading. Our story this week is a lesson on how to use dishonest wealth to benefit people. This strange story, it only appears in, in Luke's gospel, Luke's version of the gospel. And, and, and it's troubled Christians from the very beginning. And, and based on this trouble, many of the most progressive historical scholars therefore attribute this story to the historical Jewish Jesus. If, if it wasn't, basically the logic is, if it didn't belong to the historical Jewish Jesus, they would have gotten rid of it a long time ago. But to be clear, I don't interpret this story as determining the moral value of dishonest di- business dealing, of, of embezzlement, or of fuzzy accounting. What 
it does do is commend the manager for his shrewdness in using uh, managing accounts to create relationships for him to fall back on when his current employment ends. And what I glean from this story is a call to look at my priorities within our own system as I imagine and, and work toward a different iteration of our world today. What am I prioritizing? Is wealth or creating more capital or making sure people pay back their debts in order to create even more capital? Is that my priority or am I prioritizing people and people's needs and using our current world and its resources to create relationships with others? Am I prioritizing relationships with people over and above the rules that capitalism continues to try to program us with as to how to play its game? If we do this, in the end, we may make less and our net worths may be less, but our investments in people and in relationships will be greater and possibly they'll develop in a different direction than our present capitalist system would have sent us. And I mentioned last week Biden's modest student loan forgiveness program. And for some parts of the country, Biden's approval ratings have shot up as a result of him doing exactly what we read about in this week's story. In the story, a steward told the people who owed money to cancel portions of their debts to increase his favor with them. And the manager doing this was not moralistically scolded in the story, but commended as being wise. The uproar among some Christians about Biden's recent actions, it reminds me of how this same story has uh, that's attributed to Jesus has troubled wealthy Jesus followers from the very beginning. But, but to those scratching out an existence in the first century and the, and the economically marginalized who, who comprised most of the early Jesus movement, this story must have resonated deeply. It was this demographic, like today, who deeply wished someone would step in and, and simply cancel or forgive their debt. And I like that we have an example from our sacred stories of Jesus that mirrors what we see happening right now around us in our, our modern society here in the U.S. It's nice to see uh, our U.S. government economically doing something I actually agree with, which which is a rarity. I like the idea of forgiving debt for people who are victims of predatory loans for something as valuable as an education. Remember, they're not. this wasn't risky ventures or wasting money. They were just simply wanting to be educated. And I wish all of, of student debt could be forgiven. I want to live in a more educated society. Uh, and I support using part of our society's wealth to create a more educated population. Populous. It encourages me that, that despite those Christian friends who are up in arms about this small amount of loan forgiveness, that this week's story tells us this is exactly the kind of thing we should favor as Jesus followers. So which, which value system have we allowed to shape us more? Are we capitalist first or are we Jesus followers first? Have we allowed the values and ethics of the Jesus story that we hold so dear to shape the kinds of people that we are becoming, or have we allowed the value system of capitalism to shape how we see the world? And these questions are far more than, than partisan politics. They help me question uh, what it is that I'm choosing uh, to shape the way I, I live. And so this week, take some time to consider what it is that's shaping you. Heart Group Application, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. 
Number two, what other possible applications or lessons do you glean from this week's parable? And discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. And I want to remind you this week that you can find us here at Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you haven't done so, you can follow us on each of those uh, uh, social media platforms for our daily post. Also, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you enjoy listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, consider uh, taking a moment this week to like and and give a review of, of our podcast on whatever podcast platform you listen to. This helps others uh, find our podcast as well. And if, if you'd like to reach out to us through email, you can always reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. Uh, that's all for this week. Right where you are, keep living in love, choosing compassion, taking action, and working toward justice. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.